0: That Ark Encounter, make the trip, it's worth it. (laughs) Now the Creation Museum, the Ark, yep. (laughs) We're in John chapter 13 this morning, and we'll be looking at verses 12 through 30. Jesus is in his last hours before the cross. But he still takes time to serve his disciples. And he serves them in a most humbling way. Jesus will serve his disciples as the lowest serving job that was in the, within the family. Usually you give uh, the foot washing to the least of your servants. But here Jesus will wash the disciples' feet. Peter, in in pride, asks Jesus the question, Are you washing my feet? Jesus tells Peter, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me, Peter. Peter changes his whole opinion of the foot washing then. Then he says, Jesus, well, wash all of me. Wash my hands, wash my head. And Jesus corrects Peter again. If I wash your feet, you are clean. Peter honestly thinks he needs to instruct Jesus on how to serve. Peter goes on. He goes from don't wash me to wash all of me. And Jesus' patience with Peter... And the rest of the disciples, it's noteworthy. Jesus also indicates that he, his betrayer, that is, Judas, is not clean. Even though Judas' feet have been washed, Judas has not been cleansed by the washing of Jesus. Same basin of water, same Jesus washing the feet, but for Judas... His sin remains. Back in verse 2 of this chapter, the devil has already captured the heart of Judas. Judas is now the betrayer. And he's waiting and looking for that opportunity to betray Jesus. Satan has his man, it's Judas. And Judas happens to be a chosen disciple of Jesus. So we have a question. Why are you and I surprised when some spiritual headliner falls into sin and disgrace? Why do, Why are we taken back by that? Would Judas happen to be probably the most respected disciple among the disciples. Judas carried the money box. He was trusted. In outward appearance, Judas appears to be the only good choice that Jesus made choosing disciples. But Jesus is well aware of Judas and that Satan has filled his heart. So we will speak more on Judas later, but let's read John thirteen twelve through 17. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus is done with his foot washing. And then he asks the disciples, Do you know what I have done for you? He's wanting the disciples to think. He's wanting them to consider. You call me teacher, you call me Lord, and I am. Consider, if I being your teacher and Lord have washed your feet, so also you ought to wash one another's feet. Disciples, Do as I, your teacher and Lord, have done for you. And he says, I have given you an example. Some churches have what they call foot washings. And they make a big ceremony out of it. But no one shows up to a foot washing with dirty feet. You wouldn't dare show up with dirty feet. You're going to have clean feet if you go into a foot washing. And, and so it loses a lot of its uh, example there. My daughter, she belonged to a, a youth group. And they would show up at your home unannounced with cleaning supplies in little buckets. And they would come in and they would clean your toilet and your bathroom. Now, that's a foot washing, doing something that is of the least importance. When any of us look upon a menial task as being beneath us, we've become like Peter, who would correct Jesus. And Peter, not being a servant, but he wants to tell the Lord how he ought to serve. But we have Jesus, and Jesus gives us one of his most assuredly. And he says, most assuredly, a servant is not greater than his master. Nor is anyone sent greater than him who sent him. Now remember, Jesus has heard the debate, the arguing that goes on among the disciples. And they're arguing about who is the greatest among them. To me, it's noteworthy that Jesus doesn't condemn them for this argument. He just gives them an example. As their Lord and their teacher, He now serves them by washing their feet. For us to give or to serve in an inconspicuous way requires sometimes a little tact. You don't want to be recognized for what you're doing, but you want to serve. And so you have to give it a little behind-the-scenes thought sometimes. What did Jesus do? He washed feet that needed washing. He was the great teacher. And Jesus asked to the disciples, do you know what I have done for you? He's saying to his disciples, if you recognize being a servant, serving, happy are you if you serve. Happy, delighted, full of joy, if you serve. But sometimes... Our ego won't allow us to serve, will it? Because that would, as with the disciples, if I wash their feet, that means they're greater than I am, and so I won't wash. But Jesus loved his disciples enough to serve them. Serving gives us opportunity to demonstrate love. And there should be a chapter break here in this uh, 13th chapter, but I don't put in the chapter breaks, so we'll continue. <laughs> Verse 18 through 30. I do not speak concerning all of you, but I know whom I have chosen, but that the scriptures may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. And when Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit, and he testified and said, most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is to whom I give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And have dipped this bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered into uh, him. Then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he had said this to him. For some thought, because Judas had the money box that Jesus had said to him, By those things we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out, and immediately it was dark. Jesus tells his disciples and us, Scripture must be fulfilled. He has to be betrayed. Jesus says, I know whom I've chosen. But he says, he who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Jesus is telling of the future. He's prophesying about the future. And he's prophesying about how Judas will betray him. But he's doing and he's foretelling this because he wants the disciples to believe that he knows what's going to happen, and he's telling them what's going to happen. Jesus will soon go to the cross, and his betrayal is not a surprise to him. For Jesus now says, one of you will betray me. Jesus is demonstrating to his disciples that he has complete knowledge of what's going to happen. However, this, this puzzles the disciples. And Peter, he motions to John, and he asks, he says, ask Jesus who it is. Now, I wonder how did he motion to John? Do you ever wonder about those guys? <laughs> Was it, you know, a little you ask him man <laughs> and john says well who is it and he says when i dip a piece of bread i will give it to the betrayer now it was a common custom in that society in that culture that whoever you presented this bread to after you had dipped it was the honored one at the meal Jesus is actually honoring Judas, his betrayer. And at this moment, the door is still open for Judas to repent. Verse 27, but after the morsel of bread was received and eaten by Judas, Satan entered Judas. Judas' time for repentance, it's over. In that moment, Judas could have gone either way. He could have repented, or he could have betrayed. But the moment now has passed him. And Jesus, in full knowledge and control, tells Judas, Go do what you must do quickly. And this is strictly between Jesus and Judas. The other disciples, they don't understand what is taking place. Go and do what you must, Judas. Do it. Judas has passed his moment or his time of grace. We don't see that happening often in Scripture. But for Judas, he blew right through his time of grace. Repentance belongs to God. He tells us that, and Judas has found no place for repentance. In fact, of Judas, Jesus said, it would have been better if this man would have never been born. And the disciples, they're sitting there at this meal, but they don't understand all the discourse that's going on between Jesus and Judas when Jesus said, go do what you must. Because Judas was probably the most trusted of the disciples. He carried the money box. And he carried the money box for the whole group. And oftentimes Judas would have the responsibility to give to the poor or buy the necessities for the meal or whatever, rent the room, whatever they had to do. Judas was a trusted one with the money box. But Judas is the betrayer. And Jesus also, John tells us afterwards, that he was a thief and he would often steal from the money box. But, you know, if you and I had to choose a disciple, Judas would have been at the top of the list. He was a trusted one. He was honored by Jesus in this meal. And in verse 29, the other disciples assumed Judas was to pay for this Passover meal or give alms to the poor. But Judas is the betrayer. He received that piece of bread from Jesus, given to him in honor by Jesus And this little piece of bread, they would dip it into the common pot there. And it was given in honor to Judas. Jesus has given Judas every chance to repent. Satan has entered his heart, but there's no turning back for Judas. His betrayal... Is right before him. And Judas knew that Jesus knew what he was about to do. Judas knows that Jesus is on to him. Yet he still betrayed the Son of God. Judas, he departs immediately. And it's night. Night. Judas has surrendered to Satan for 30 pieces of silver. Now, here we are, what, 2,000 years after the cross. Think how Judas must be haunted by his betrayal. He has to be saying to himself, why was I so deceived? 30 pieces of silver to Judas that he will then take back to the chief priest, throw it on the ground there before the chief priest when guilt overcomes him. He's overcome with guilt and he kills himself. He hangs himself. Judas's sin of betrayal had a price. It wasn't 30 pieces of silver, it was his own life. He could no longer live with himself for what he had done. And there you have it. Death is the wages of sin. And it's demonstrated very vividly through Judas who could not bring himself to repent. And you hear me often say, repentance is good because we're allowed to repent. We do not have to continue in our way of sin. Repentance means to turn from the sins, change your ways. That is true repentance. Let me get you to stand we'll close closing prayer.